It's bonus pod. One, nine, one. You walk into your local pharmacy. You walk in like, you've got this cold. Oh, God, you need to get some some painkillers and some Lemsip and oh, maybe some cough syrup and Ah-choo! you go. And and you sneeze so hard, you knock over uh, a pack of um, herbal pills that don't really do anything. And you go, oh, God, sorry, sorry. And you pick it up and you put it back on yourself. And you notice that you're, in the, only, you're the, the only one in there, which I think is odd because everyone's getting a bit cold right now. I think there would be more people in the pharmacy. Um, but you go over to the pain relief section. It says pain relief in you. And you look, you're looking for the ibuprofen. Where is the ibuprofen? Why is it always so hard to find the ibuprofen? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And, and you go, ah, oh, there it is. But you, you look closer at the pack and it doesn't say ibuprofen. It You look at the writing. Like the colors, the coloring seems to like, it looks like the sort of Nurofen kind of coloring. You think, oh, that's, yeah, that's ibuprofen. But you look at the word, it doesn't say Nurofen ibuprofen on it. It says, just get over it on the pack. <laughs> It just says, just get over it. What? You think, and you look around, you can't find any ingredients. You look at the ingredients bit and it just says, and it's listed like their ingredients. It says, just, comma, get, comma, fucking, comma, over, comma, it, comma. And then like around it, it says 50%. You're like, what? And you put that back. So you go, oh, that must be, uh, there must be, that must be weird, like Eastern European brand or something that I'm not aware of. And, um, and you go looking for the the home brand one, the own brand stuff, and you pick it up, and you look at it. Here we go. Here's that. But again, instead of ibuprofen or paracetamol on it, it says, "Stop being a fucking baby." What printed on the box says, "Stop being a fucking baby." And you're like, "This is ridiculous." And you open it up, and 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 there it's like all the the pop the popping pieces, and you you press one out, but instead of a tablet coming out, it's like a small figurine. And you look and you look close at the small figurine, and there's a figurine of a hand giving the middle finger. <laughs> and I what? This is uh, this is um, this is not right. And you 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 throw it to the ground. You go, ah, uh, excuse me. You walk over to the prescription aisle. And you go, excuse me, excuse me. I'm look. I came here for painkillers, and I did not come here to be insulted. <laughs> I have a headache. I've got a cold. I want to feel relieved. I want pain relief. I want to feel better. That's why I come to the pharmacy. I come to feel better, not to feel insulted. And you're sh- and you're shouting all this at a man in a white coat who's like looking away from you. He's turned away from you, and he's just scribbling something on a piece of paper. He seems completely unmoved by your screams. And you go, "Excuse me, excuse me. I need some help here. All your drugs. They just tell me to get over it." What kind of, what kind of Hippocratic oath is that? Are you supposed to help people, not insult them, not to to shame them? And you hear the the guy, with still with his back turned to you, he just mumbles something and goes, and you go, what? It's what was that? And the guy goes a bit louder, uh, just get over it. And you go, how? Oh, you're lost for words. Like I can't. This is outrageous. I can't believe that. And then, and then the guy turns around, and it's me, 
and I walk over to you and I'll, I go, here, look, fine, I'll write your prescription. And you go, oh, thank you. And I write a big word on this piece of paper, I rip it off, I hand it to you. And it just says the word it on it. And and and, and you go, what is this? And, you, and I say, put it on the ground. And you go, what? I say, put it on the ground. And so you go, oh, you put it on the ground. And then and then I say, now step, put, put one foot um, across it, across a piece of paper. And you do that. And then I say, and bring the other foot o- over. And then you do that. And I go, congratulations, well done. You got over it. <laughs> and... <laughs> And you go, this is outrageous. I'm going to call the police. I and is that at that moment that you realize your sinuses have cleared up, your voice has gotten less nasally, there's no mucus in your throat. You stop coughing, your body aches have gone, and you go, what? Oh, I do feel better actually. And I I look at you with like this, like all knowingly. I go like, you see. And you go, but that's weird. I I feel so much better. And all you did was insult me and tell me to get over it. And I'm like, I know, right? And and then you feel a hand on your right shoulder, and you go, huh? And you turn around, and it's Pierre. And Pierre goes, this is a holistic medicine. The the medicine was in you the whole time. You got over it. Congratulations, Podbud. You are better all by yourself. And you go, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much. And then I say, uh, also, we've been filling the room with aerosol painkillers. Um, so that might have been it too. Welcome to Bonus Pod. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> the bit I liked the most was the pharmacist with his back to the person just going oh, you know, right? <laughs> I just think that's funny for a medical professional just to be like oh just get over it <laughs> <laughs> I hear <clears throat> slash have read that if you're a GP yeah, 80% of your time is spent with the same 5% of your patients because they're, you know, very old or very sick or or, or whatever mm. in the community. But there must be a few of those who are just like, like, every GP must have some hypochondriac who they secretly, they just want to go, will you fuck off? But you can't. Oh, absolutely. Every GP has the Ned Flanders to their Reverend Love. Yes. Oh, yes. Of right. Course. Yeah. Um, it must, it must be so tiring, but, they have to be nice. They have to be nice. Yeah, you wouldn't want to miss anything. Well, was that inspired by my lemsip? Yes. Yeah, you're saying that because you're ill that you you, you had a lemsip uh, between mm. recording this week's main pod and, and the bonus pod, and um, and so yeah, that put me in a pharmacy frame of mind. Uh, and and you got the lemon lemsip, and I think the blackcurrant lemsip is so superior, but hard to find. Yeah, and, and I think. If I were ever to become a politician, the main promise in my mandate would be to make the blackcurrant lemsip the default lemsip flavor. <laughs> that that's the that's that's the sorry not mandate the uh, fucking um your prime directive manifesto 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 yeah. the yeah my manifesto would just be blackcurrant lemsip as the main lemsip. Yeah. Because it's so much nicer. You've always been extremely pro blackcurrant. Um, yeah. Blackcurrant is an interesting flavor. It is not a flavor you get very often in France or America, say. 
Is that right? Is it yeah. very English? We, yeah, we, berries are very English, aren't they? It's very much part of the English palate. Is yeah. berries, berries, and jam made from berries. Very sort of English British industries that have suffered a great deal because of the lack of people to come pick the berries because uh, of Brexit. Um, but yes, yeah, the the, the oh God. It, well, I think it might have been our friend Freddie who does wine. He's a wine boy. Mm. We're saying that. Um, no, it wasn't Freddie. It was when I was in Bordeaux on holiday and a wine guy was saying, oh, yes, the English people, they always say um, blackcurrant or, or, or whatever, you know, a couple of other berries, but it's not, um, that's not as commonly encountered a flavor for French people. So it's not as common a note. Oh, interesting. So when tasting wine, it's not really a note that's used. Well, yeah, because oh, it would be like too neat cassis. It would just be too uh, niche. Right, yeah, the French would just say cassis. But even ah, but even then like they, they just don't they just don't put cassis in everything. But cassis is French. Cassis is blackcurrant. Yeah, but but cassis itself is a French thing. Is is a French syrup, isn't it, cassis? Yes, but it's made from blackcurrant, like it's it's named after Yeah. Um but my point is um, not that they don't say blackcurrant because it's not a French word. They don't say it because they just don't have it in lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The flavors they have. I think you you had a good bit on on the like the weird flavors. And I think when you go into a Polish, you go into Polish corner shop and all the crisps are paprika. Yeah, yes. I did, and the to- yeah. did you say the tooth the toothpaste is dill or something? Like yeah, that? yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> fucking yeah, exactly. It's dill toothpaste and paprika is every crisp and um, uh, there's something else. Basil, I think you said like basil toothpaste, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh god, yeah, awful. Um, <laughs> actually, to be fair, I, I would prefer paprika crisps to many of the more English flavors. I mean, the idea of a prawn cocktail flavored crisp is batshit. To be fair, globally, it's bad, and all the like the full meal crisps, like a roast chicken crisps, are rough. They just I take a paprika tastes over like farts. That. It tastes like farts. It's 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 the uncanny valley, Pierre. It's crisps <laughs> trying too much to emulate real food, and the result is this eerie nether flavor. Yeah, the upside down flavor. And farty upside down flavor. <laughs> yeah, because in, in my Tesco's for a bit, they had KFC flavored crisps. Ugh, no, and uh, I mean it tasted of something. But I don't know if it was KFC. Did it, did it taste of what um, the air tastes like after you eat a really big KFC? <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah, it tastes like the smell you can't get off your fingers for five hours afterwards. Yeah, and just all the farts and last, burps. On the way home last night, Pierre, mm-hmm. I, did a, I did a routine at the gig. Lovely gig, Sunday special in Greenwich. And... Um, I did a routine about Morley's and how much I love Morley's, the fried chicken chain, in, that is only in South London. Yeah, and I, I, I got myself so excited by the routine that on the way back I, I got Morley's oh. on the way home, and I bought a whole bunch of chicken. The very nice man gave me an extra drumstick, Whoa. and I thought, ah, oh, that's great. I'll, I'll put that aside, reheat it. To, I ate all of it in one sitting. I ate so much chicken. Have you ever had? Oh God, that kind of chicken the next day. Hmm. 
I don't think I, I don't think it's ever gotten that far. You must. I don't think I've ever been able to. Yeah, I don't imagine it's very nice. It's it's so much worse than you can even imagine. <laughs> I don't even if you pop it in the oven. No, no. I mean, it tastes like it, the texture. It's so bad. It's not like oh, that's a little cold. No. It's rev- it's repellent. It's like it's gone off in hours. Gosh, it's okay. so bad. Oh no! It's such a eat it while it's hot or never go near it thing. What have I done to myself? What have I done? I was I was I was impressed they had chicken because we have a, a chicken shortage right now in the UK. Do you know this? No. What another one? Here's a spicy take for you. Yeah, bird flu. It's really bad in the UK. Oh, I knew um, we had a bird flu issue, but I haven't seen much of a chicken shortage. Oh. Well, there's a, the main thing is eggs. There's an egg shortage. Yeah. Um, so, like, my, my little Tesco here, there's no eggs. Um, yeah, so mine, mine's been short on eggs every other day. That's because a lot of chickens have been culled. I think, like, five million chickens have been destroyed yeah. because of bird flu. No lemsip for them. And No... That's a, that's a adorable though. Can you imagine a chicken like with a big mug just going? <laughs> that's quite sweet. But um, but yeah, chickens being killed. But it's not just chickens. Like there are fewer birds in the sky. But a bunch of like just airborne wild birds are dying of bird flu. Yeah, everything. It's like proper apocalypse stuff. It's like it's like a play. Well, I guess it's the opposite of a plague to kill a bunch of animals. No, I think it's it's an anti-plague, well, an anti-plague of birds. Well, no, because a plague, a pl- when you say a plague of birds to mean there are too many birds, it's that's a metaphor as opposed to literal. Whereas this is a, a plague. Oh yes, you're right. Yeah, because I'm thinking of biblical, like a plague of locusts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, then it gets a bit. Um, yeah, it's 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 bad as well. A guy was telling me that like if a bird gets bird flu, it's like couple of days and it's just like drops dead in front of you kind of thing like it's not uh yeah apparently the heads swell up Ugh. <laughs> yeah it's rough oh it's rough being a chicken these days <laughs> god almighty it's very end times but then i sort of feel like that's just what life is now isn't it because it's been end times for about seven years now yeah, I think it's been end times a few times for a long time, but now we're just aware of everything that's bad that's happening. Yeah, straight away. And we, I, I think that there should be a new rule that the news has to report when something has gotten better or a problem has been solved. Because what happens is the news reports there's fears now of blah 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 that uh, the buildings are all going to just collapse on your head and everyone goes oh no buildings buildings are going to collapse <laughs> on the heads ah and then like and then like a couple of years down the line you go wait what happened to that thing about all buildings were going to collapse on our heads and then you look up the story and it's like two months after that the initial story is reported they were they go oh yeah a bunch of engineers went around and fixed all the buildings yeah and and you go why why didn't they report i didn't so i could have stopped worrying about the buildings falling in my head yeah and subconsciously you've got the unresolved angst in like on your mind for years because you're sort of going like oh a bunch of stuff's been said and not resolved it's not resolved so i'll just i'll just even at a tiny level i'll carry that yeah because news always reports the problems and they never report the solution and also so all the 
all these anxieties keep bubbling away. And it's not just the news. I mean, it's also like, um, you know, a certain type of activist or charity makes their money from a constant feeling of like, no, but people are going to die now, which may or may not be true. Yeah. But the fact is that they say that constantly and it leads to charity fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it's not always the yep. most honest appraisal of the situation. Um yeah. What they want is for yeah, the I, public to constantly feel like just another, like there's a big glass case labeled cancer cure and with a two pound price tag on it. And they've just going complete, just two pounds, quick. Just two yeah, pounds. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And okay, well, I guess here's a spicy take for this week, Pierre. I read quite, it's a very interesting and I thought quite thought provoking piece about this with regards to. Greta Thunberg and mm. the more extreme elements of the climate change of climate change activism, which any any sane person would agree is a worthwhile cause to um, to campaign for. Yeah. But this this article it it he argues that Greta Thunberg is herself being a, a little dishonest about things because and and sort of and just stop all on that because they, the implication of their activism is that nothing is being done yeah that politicians are completely ignoring this and that's going completely unchecked and that's just flat out not true right that we uh, there's a lot of work to be done but a lot of progress has been made top you know like the the top temperature increases have been brought down we're still sort of struggling to get to 1.5 but they have been brought down to where projections were a few years ago and um and we are actually starting to decouple our our econ- economy from um, from carbon uh, release. Yeah, because right? the UK is start- doing it is, well, it, isn't it? Yeah, the UK is doing quite well, and and there's something I th- and when all the soup throwing was happening, I thought there's something a bit odd about those protests happening literally while COP twenty seven was happening in Egypt. And you can you can argue, oh yeah, these conferences they're they're more about show and politics than. Than, than changing anything. But I don't think that's true. I think the, the reality is these things are very difficult and require a lot of effort and constant negotiation to get anywhere. Um, so I think there's something a little dishonest about that. And, you know, I heard defenses for, like, the soup throwing and Just Stop Oil making um, comparisons to uh, the civil rights movement in the 60s or the, um, the suffragette movement in the um, early 20th century. And they're saying, you know, those protests weren't popular at the time they seemed like extremists at the time but it was change that needed to happen but there's a fundamental difference there with something like the, the, the vote for women all that needs to happen is for the government to turn a switch yeah. and abracadabra women can vote right climate change is not like that the governments are already trying to fix it and it's very but it's very very hard it's not just about making a single decision that will change it and so i don't think the comparison is an apt one they it's um, also i mean look so that's my spicy take well that is that's pretty spicy that's good stuff and also like we're we're, we're a pro landfill pro nuclear power plant anti-murder podcast as as oh well yeah yeah so yeah and and the you know uh, um rishi sunak's government have approved that new power plant <coughs> nuclear yeah. power plant which is very good thank god it's very good and then of course the fucking green party one saying oh terrible but <laughs> fuck off do you want do you want to fix this or not well that's the thing the green it party so angry the green party are saying if we don't do something about this today everyone will die and you go right so for now that's we could just crazy. use nukes right and they go no we'll wait for something else and you go well you just said it well, was exactly. an emergency and they say uh, the, the, the power plants are going to come online for another 10 years. And you know what? People, people are saying that in 2010. Yeah. 
and we're in 2020 we'd have new power plants by now yeah it's it's um it's so time will keep happening guys yeah it's very annoying um yeah if you want to read a good book about charities unintended fuck-ups in terms of africa i recommend a book called war games um can't remember who it's by i'll just google it but it's called you know if you search war games book charity africa uh which is what i'm doing now war games charity africa here we are war games by linda polman i knew it was linda something but i just want to say by linda like uh, she was my mate Mm. linda polman it's good very very interesting very surprising stuff in there it's not all bad not all good the usual complicated answer what's it about oh it's about um charities in africa and the way they operate having unintended consequences and often making things worse Mm, mm, mm. Um, and how charity operates as as an industry because it must operate as an industry because it is an entity with lots of money that moves to a place and spends money so it is a business functionally in the way it exists in the environment right yeah and a staff to pay and yeah but but even if like if you go to the poorest country in the world and stick a multi-million dollar organization of any kind in there that starts buying things and building things and you know it's going to have a huge impact Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not just handing out uh sandwiches to the to the lovely children from the news uh, by the way, you mentioned the war games has reminded me. I was recently on uh, the really excellent Trusty Hogs podcast. Ooh, yes. Um, hosted by Helen Bauer and Catherine. Bohart. I've forgotten her name. Huh? Bohart. Bohart, of course. And Catherine Bohart. Um, Catherine was sick that day, so she was placed by Alison Spittle, also very funny. Lovely. But Helen Bauer revealed to me that um, she and a few uh, of her other. Uh, com- comedy friends they've sort of put all the comedians in our generation into like different camps into different like groups kind of <laughs> like cafeteria groups in a, an american high school really? movie and you and i pierre we're in a group called war boys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's told me before that i'm a war boy i didn't realize how far right right <laughs> yes, I'm I'm also a war boy. <laughs> uh, I'm such a war boy, yeah, that's true. But I, I was surprised I don't think my but my stand up is not really I don't I mean our disposition is war boy it's, and the podcast is very war boy. Phil, but it's, I, it's, I, I don't see my stand up. It's not about stand up, it's about you. Right. It's about state of mind. Yeah. Who else is a war boy? Finn Taylor? F- Finn Taylor yeah. for sure. Um, uh, would you say Garrett Millerick is a war boy? Maybe. Yeah, he's more of a space boy, but that's pretty similar. He's more space boy. No, actually, no, I don't think Garrett is a war boy. Um, me, you, Finn. Uh, is that that can't be it? Uh, uh, and Andrew Maxwell. Oh, he's kind of interesting. Maybe. Yeah, could be. No, he's just kind of like a. He's autodidact. He's an autodidact. I want Helen boy. to release a sort of wall chart of this. Yes. Release the Bauer cut. I We want to see it. Yeah. We want to see the full, ta- like, her ta- publish her tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Get the FBI onto her. 
Yeah. War but boy. it's a, it's a really fun it's a fun exercise to try and group all the comedians into these uh cliques. Yeah, that is nice actually. In terms of style. <laughs> war boy. That's good. I'll admit it, Phil. <laughs> I was thinking about war this morning. There you go, classic war boy stuff. Yeah. Which war? I <laughs> Oh nice, which war? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was at the gym, right? Mm. And, you know, I drink a lot of water when I'm at the gym because I'm... Uh, because you're at war with your body. Because I'm, I'm at war with my, my body and my desires. Yeah. Um, and I'm uh, a sweaty Susan at the gym. <laughs> so I drink a lot of water. Yeah. And I was thinking about, like... you Because, know, you know, modern training is so amazing even compared to, like, training from the 1950s. Like army training. Any training, really. Because they're just in the 50s, they're like, oh, there's no reason not to smoke. You know. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Whereas now we have like, you can buy for like two pounds a special electrolyte formula that tastes of blue and drink it. Oh, you mean training, right, so working out. I thought you meant like army, I thought you meant like training for soldiers. Yeah, but that is training for soldiers. It's about physical performance. Oh, okay. So like, let's say that there's some mountain that two armies want to get to the top of, and the one that gets to the top first is shooting down at the other army. It's important to be faster, you know? So it's about physical training. Mm. It's about how much equipment you can carry, how many days in a row you can operate without being fatigued, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just thinking, like, mm. if you could travel back in time to one medieval army, a medieval battle, and you go, okay, there's a medieval battle. They're about equally matched. <laughs> what if you gave one medieval army, like, a bunch of Lucasades and you let them do some stretching? <laughs> yeah if one started off with a bit of pilates yeah or just like some stretching and like a basic understanding of 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 because there's no such thing as exercise in the past you were a guy who dug up turnips who you weren't you know <laughs> yeah you can't imagine <laughs> you can't imagine someone in medieval clothing jogging can you <laughs> just sort of jogging around the castle yeah just like oh life's not hard enough <laughs> Why is it such a funny scene to me? Like it's very early morning in a like a European castle, <laughs> and like the prince is out and he's just like jogging. <laughs> he's got like a, a, a like a, a wool sweatband around his head. <laughs> it's like a wool sweatband, but it still has jewels on it. Yeah, it's like it's like the start of um, Silence of the Lambs, just like <laughs> jogging and. <in> the- <laughs> Morning, Your Majesty. Jogging with a, with a sweatshirt that says Holy Roman Empire on it. <laughs> people people shouting at, at at the king. Rise and get you that fine loaf. <laughs> but genuinely, if you just said right, one one army, it's all peasants with with spears and some swordsmen and whatever. But one army is going to have done some basic stretching and had like for once in their lives enough to eat. Mm. Maybe they just fucking deck yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be so hydrated. Yeah. Because the peasants weren't drinking eight cups of water a day, were they? No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have like uh, reusable bottles on them. Just no. uh, they up, they pop open the top and like that. And <sighs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Well, Phil, we've just got time to slither in some correspondence from our VIPs. Okay. Um, it's our, it's your friend of mine, Yaroslav. 
Yaroslav. Always good to hear from Yaroslav. Yeah. He says, uh, weirdly, compared to what you said in the in the in the main part, he says, "Hello, poo rinses of Persia." Oh, well, that's funny. I made a reference to the Prince of Persia in the main pod this week. Yeah, isn't that odd? Life yeah. is full of um, serendipity. Mm. Hang on, I need to write down, make a note. I forgot that we talked how much how much we talked about the handsome Iranians. So, Yaroslav says, "Hello, poo rinses of Persia." Uh, he says, uh, the jazz musician names you sometimes mention are especially funny to me, as this is something me and my friends did already when watching anything with English subtitles. No way. Yeah. Huh. We've noticed that sound effect descriptions in horror films work especially well as musician names. Oh, interesting. Mm. Here are some of the best ones from the recent Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities horror anthology. Great. So... Uh, clunky slithering <laughs> really yeah. good yeah percussionist <laughs> drummer rubble pelts rubble pelts yeah i reckon that's maybe a guitarist a jazz guitarist yeah yeah rubble pelts uh chug like he plays like a metal guitar metal guitar yeah 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 steel 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 guitar chugs loudly <laughs> Yeah, Chugs Lousley's uh, saxophone. <laughs> Take it, Chugs. <laughs> Chugs Lousley. <Yeah. laughs> uh, sc- <laughs> scalpel clatters. Uh, Gray, another drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, Scalp. Scalp. Scalpel clatters. Uh, airy whooshing. Yep, flautist. <laughs> Uh, this is, I really like these last two, especially. Slimy footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> Slimy footsteps. Or bassist? Yeah. Or- Maybe bassist. Like, and, and like a fun, like funk bassist, I think. Funk bassist, slimy footsteps. Yeah. And uh, Dunlin's Screech. Dunlin's... Dunlin's? What's a Dunlin? I don't know. Dunlin's Screech. Dunlin's Screech, Singer. yeah. Singer, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to be. You'd have to be Dunlin's. Oh, it's a bird. Oh, Gosh. yeah. So that's perfect for a singer. What a specific bird for the Songbird. Fair enough. They call him Songbird. And because we're slightly yeah, out of date oh. with everything, he says, keep on jacking it spoopily for Halloween, Yaroslav. Ah, thank you, Yaroslav. That's, um, that's uh, some great... Musician name. That's good shit. Thank you very much. Um, Cinque. Is that how you say thank you in Polish? Okay. How are Poland doing in the World Cup? Let me see. How do you pronounce it? Cinque. There you go. Cinque. How are they doing? Poland beat Saudi Arabia. Hey, good for them. Nice one, Poland. Good on Poland. Good work, Poland. Um, um, lovely. Well, that's Lewandowski. That's it. All our time, Filippo. Yes. Um, cheers. Thanks a lot, you guys. Uh, if you are in, oh, if you're in America, I'll be doing. If you're in New York, I'll be doing my show tomorrow. When you hear this, oh yeah, so yeah. Maybe there'll be tickets left. Who knows? So get on it. Yeah. Um. But until next time, see you next time. <laughs>